Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are tonight's <laughs> entertainment. Here on the world, reasons are the wrong way. None of the Robins ever complain. You're going to melt just like a cheap sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the DC Nation podcast, dedicated to reviewing all the content DC Comics provides to you as its fans, focusing on the TV shows Gotham, The Flash, Carol, Supergirl, and DC's Legends of the World. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who I can assure you is not under the mind control of Miriam, my co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico, and welcome to Across the Area's DC Nation. On this week's episode, we continue our spring TV season as we continue our coverage of the DC Nation with an episode of Gotham, Supergirl, and DC Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, before we start our discussions, which are all about a route to the time in the Wild West. We're going to dive into our DC News headlines for the week about the next Batman movie coming out, which I think is actually going to be pretty good based on who is helping it and his truck record as a director. Ben Affleck will go full Batfleck and direct the Batman movie. While the rest of the world is laughing about how the sad Affleck meme caused Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence to climb the charts, Ben Affleck embraced the darkness, his old friend. On Tuesday, Warner Brothers chairman and CEO Kevin Tujahara confirmed that the studio is moving forward with a standalone Batman movie, which Affleck will both star in and direct. The news was announced at CinemaCon, the annual convention for movie theater operators and retailers in Las Vegas. Tujahara spoke of the success of Batman vs. Superman, which is set to cross $800 million worldwide, and how it kicked off the feature film arm of the DC Extended Universe. If the news of a Batman solo film starring Ben Affleck sounds familiar, don't worry, you're not crazy. Last July, during Comic-Con, Nerdist reported that Ben Affleck was in talks not only to star in and direct the film, but also to write the Batman standalone film as well with DC Comics' chief creative officer, Jeff Johns. I know a lot of people hated Batman vs. Superman, but I think Ben Affleck getting to have the creative control and not that ass clown Zack Snyder will actually make the standalone Batman film much better, and if they use the script he and Jeff Johns actually already wrote, it will probably be even better. Ratings, Gotham slips to new low. Fox's already renewed Gotham this Monday night drew 3.7 million total viewers and a 1.2 demo rating per finals, ticking down to series lows with albeit a very eventful episode. Recently renewed Lucifer, 3.4 million and a 1.1, in turn hit season lows as well. Supergirl, 6.1 million and a 1.3 demo dropped sharply from its flash-boosted outing of 7.2 million and a 1.7, tying its demo low this week. It was actually a rough night across the board ratings-wise, so these shouldn't be too concerning numbers. Task Force X arrives in New Suicide Squad. Earlier this month, Warner Brothers teased a New Suicide Squad trailer for the MTV Movie Awards, and Sunday night they delivered. Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Jerry Leto, and others showed up in person at the Movie Awards to introduce the new trailer, which finds Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg explaining the rules to the villains and misfits who compromise Task Force X, a team that is better known as the Suicide Squad. Let's just say that Flagg's new team doesn't exactly respond well to his orders, even when their own lives are on the line, and the Joker has definitely come out to play. For the first time since The Dark Knight, the Joker 
Joker will be back on the big screen as Leto offers up his take on the character. Margot Robbie will have the honor of being the first actress to play Harley Quinn in a film, while Smith will step into a role of the deadly assassin known as Deadshot. The new trailer also offers up another look at the other Task Force X recruits, Boomerang, El Diablo, and Killer Croc, and Katana. And in case you were wondering why Katana can openly threaten Flag with her sword and not worry about getting blown up, the answer is simple. She's a volunteer and not one of his prisoners. In fact, Katana is Flag's bodyguard, and even she doesn't seem to like him. Suicide Squad was directed by David Ayer, and it will hit movie theaters on Friday, August 5th. I really can't wait for this film to come out. And that's the news with Nico, DC Headlines, for this week. All right, with all that exciting stuff, come out another Batman movie. Get Suicide Squad. Got out of the way, we're gonna dive right into a Gotham episode that I thought was pretty good, despite getting low ratings. I don't know if this is an off week, or because it was on hiatus. Glad speak people didn't realize it was back, but I'm not sure. Okay, Gotham tends to see. It seems like when it goes on hiatus, it loses its audience in that first week back, and then it blasts off the next week. So I think this is a binge-watch show. I think that's what this is starting to get to. So let's dive right in and talk about the Gotham episode. Get to the woods. While Jim tries to find the person who framed him for Pinkney's murder, Oswald is demoted to servant at the Vandal estate after Elijah's death. Meanwhile, Barbara is leased from Arkham, and Alfred gives Bruce good news. I enjoyed seeing the team up between Bullock and Gordon this week to clear his name, because we haven't seen much of them working together since the show returned from break because of the relationship drama between Dr. Gordon and Dr. Tompkins, and of course, Gordon getting himself put in jail. Again, with all of that out of the way now, I like seeing the show take steps to get Gordon back to the noble character we are expecting with watching him save a lady from being mugged when get risked being apprehended by the police. Do you think there were some good steps made in this episode to improve Gordon's character? Yeah, Dan, I agree that I liked seeing Bullock and Gordon team up again like in the early part of last season to get the show back to what really worked. We've seen that the ratings for this series were not good this week and have been low for a while now. I think much of that has to do with people being put off a little bit by this version of Gordon and how it does not really feel like the Gordon we all know from the comics, animated shows, and films. I think showing Gordon stopping to help that woman being mugged is showing that deep down he's still the same character we know and love, but they need to do some major work in getting him back to that character all the time. And with that in mind, I think it was a good move to have him not go back immediately to the GCPD or return as a detective, and rather he's going to focus on attempting to solve the Wayne murder before he returns and will be, and I think that'll be how Gordon can repair himself and his character so he can be the cop we know and want to see. I think that's a good way to deal with it. Well, I also think it's like a story like with what happened with Batman or even Bruce Early gone with this show, where he feels like he needs to almost leave or step away to understand the criminal underworld, get Gotham before he can fight it. Right, exactly. And I think Gordon needs to find out what's wrong with him and what's wrong with the Wayne murder mystery and the deeper understanding of what's going on in Gotham besides just, you know, the crime that he would fight as a cop. I think he needs to understand the larger picture and understand more of what's changing in Gotham. Why are all of a sudden these larger criminals like Gallivant, like the future Joker, like all of the things that we haven't even seen yet but are kind of being hinted at on the streets, how those things are happening, what's the driving force behind it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Wayne murder and I think that's why Gordon's thoughts are, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to try and find out who set up the Waynes and who, who ordered the hit. And I think it all ties together in Gordon's mind. And I think that's a good move on the writer's part. I also think it will help him later on. Again, we might not see this on the show. Understand Batman's role as a vigilante. Get why he's necessary. Get also maybe realize, okay, this guy works better than I did when I tried it. Because... 
guy I made a mistake or I got too dark when I was in that role. I'm not sure. I think there's the lesson he's going to learn with this. Yeah, I can see that. But I also think we're going to see a lot of him working with Bullock, where I think he needs someone still in the precinct to talk to and get information from while he tries to solve this case. Oh, for sure. I think that's a good move. I think that's absolutely a good move. It's going to be like this week where Bullock slept with that very big boned police officer woman and killed him out. That was a very, very funny scene. Go like that. Right. Now, seeing Edward reveal his secret ruler persona to the world was great stuff from the electric chair trick keep all that going to the need for his ego to take credit for his crimes causing his pushing of Gordon to declare he murdered Galilee at the backfire can I think what was most interesting about this was Gordon actually being pretty hurt by Edward betraying him because he honestly thought the guy was his friend despite Nicholas broken psyche from allowing him to see it that way because do you think they did the reveal of the Riddler persona to the Gotham City Police just right or do you think the writers should have been with the idea of Clary Gordon get away where Edward only got fired from the police because they couldn't prove he framed Gordon to leave him because the criminal working in the shadow could tell that it emerged. Dan, I thought this was very well done in this episode, but I agree that it would have been a good move to leave it open that Nigma was fired from the GCPD and was no longer a criminalist or a forensics guy with them, but they couldn't prove he was the one that framed Gordon so that Nigma could join Indian Hills and they could do the whole Nigma as part of Wayne Enterprise's story that we know from the comics or from the animated show. Now, technically, I think they still could do that if Strange takes Nigma and makes him one of his experiments and it either releases him later in the season or maybe even next season and or just takes him in and has him work with the Indian Hills project much like Strange is doing with Victor Freeze. I think if he takes the Riddler in and does that it still kind of follows that same story loosely and does Gotham's own version of that story so I think we could still get a lot of the stuff that we want and they could give it its own twist. Well in my opinion Nico I think it was done very well. I think it was kind of jumping the gun with the Riddler. Like it's fine for him to be a murderer and be able to not so good stuff because that's kind of how we were introduced stay with the comic books. But here he kind of went full-on supervillain. And I think he shouldn't be a felon, shall we say, until Batman shows up. Guard Khan is a felon until Batman shows up, in my opinion. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to deal with that. I think the Indian Hills thing is still on the table, but I was hoping it would be more kind of in secret and they didn't know kind of thing rather than come striking out. Sure, sure, yeah. Because that, that was always great about God's Zero Year, the Scott Snyder story he wrote, where he told his own version of Batman's Origins, where the Riddler was this villain clerking in the shadows that no one expected, and he ultimately became the greatest threat to Gotham. God almost brought it to its knees. God, Batman didn't see him coming. God, sorry, I was hoping we'd get to the bad on this show, but now it seems like they're going to kind of know he's coming because he's got a record and Gordon Connor knows he's a bad guy now. Right. So, yeah. We'll see how it goes, though. We thought they jumped the gun with Bruce and Campbell, but we're like, the way that's going, so we'll write it out and see what happens. Speaking of villains revealing their true selves, guess what, America? Our favorite psychopathic version, Gums the Penguin, is back. Can we all felt it was coming, with the way his stepfamily began to torture him? Can they wait instead the discovery of the poison that killed his father, which made Penguin snap back to his old self? Which is the whole execution of this was brilliant. KK with an excellent payoff of making his stepmother realize she was eating her children before Penguin killed her. Because this was another moment capturing just how great the Penguin gets portrayed on this show. Can are you still seeing a scenario where he's not going to acquire the fortune that rightfully belongs to because he killed his stepfamily. I just feel like there needs to be a way where Penguin losing his father has a haunting effect on him that really drives the way he runs his criminal empire. Don't you? Dan, I love this story. The way he fed his step-siblings to his stepmother was amazing. I think there will still be some issues with Penguin inheriting his father's fortune, but for at least a little time, he's going to be able to have the run of the mansion until his father's lawyer or estate manager comes to sign the papers with his stepmother and finds she's not there. But for the time being, I think Penguin will have the run of the place and be able to do what he wants. 
wants. Eventually, I think they're going to kick him out and he'll be yeah. left without anything. And that'll have another lasting effect on him. I'm not sure how long that that will be until that happens. But we had said that he may just steal all of his father's money and, and the inheritance and buy the Iceberg Lounge with that. And that could kickstart the next phase of his, his development to becoming the Penguin criminal boss. I'm just not sure how they will handle all of this on this series. It could go either way in my mind. There always seems like this this aspect of the Penguin of the comics. What he's done right where get things backfire on him if he goes beyond quality the Iceberg Lounge. Okay, there's a great story that came out recently in the comic books where he wanted to look like he had some dirty scheme where he wanted to look like a hero of Gotham. Get in, get kind of tarnish Bruce Wayne's image. Yep. Get everyone thought he was great and then get just get something stupid happened, almost comical, that made the whole thing backfire on him. Get the Batman was able to win. Get I guys feel like that sort of thing needs to happen here. Well, wasn't there a animated story from the animated show about that as well? Or one of the yes. animated series? He tried to either date or marry one of the rich women of Gotham, Veronica Vreeland. Right. Yeah, he tried to clean up his act. They kind of pulled a pretty woman with the Penguin. Yeah, then it blew up in his face. Yeah. Well, I, I remember them trying to make the Penguin the hero of Gotham, and in doing so, he, he attacked Bruce, but I thought that was an animated show I was watching, not a comic book I was reading, but it might have been one of the comics I read. One of the reasons Scott Snyder, the Emperor Penguin story arc, started out that way. Okay. And that's how he got knocked off. So his his right hand man tried to take over on him. Okay. Yeah. Was that about a year ago then? That was about a year ago, yeah. Okay. I must have read that and just animated yeah. it in my head. <laughs> the most famous example that's actually what inspired some of the plot line for Batman Returns is an episode of the 60s show where Burgess Meredith's Penguin tries to run for mayor of Gotham. Right, right. Because that's kind of what started the whole idea of the Penguin getting too big for his britches could ultimately the people defeat him rather than Batman. Right. Where he defeats himself. Right. Because right. his ego gets too big. Yeah, that's classic Penguin. Right. So that's kind of what started that concept was that episode. Now, continuing on with the Riddler story, until he wandered into Selena's hideout, Guy thought our aspirations to see Bruce and Selena team up with Gordon to prove his innocence were going to be dashed. But they came through for us. Guy gave us some um, girlfriend in this episode. Even though I was kind of disappointed, we weren't going to see his story exploring what Bruce's father figure Butler did while Bruce is away. But maybe that will come later, since I think Bruce will feel the need to leave again, so he can better understand the way criminals work. Nico, were you glad to see Bruce get Selena help Gordon, but disappointed that I met the storyline? of Bruce on the streets, which we had a lot of potential, was cut short. Yeah, I was glad we got some scenes of Bruce and Selina working to help Gordon clear his name, but unfortunately it did, it did cut Bruce's expedition into the underbelly of Gotham City short. However, because Alfred essentially ransomed Bruce home by giving Bruce an ultimatum that it was either he could hang with Selina or know what his father was working on, but not both, I think since Alfred used that to get Bruce to come home, once they learn the truth, Bruce will feel that draw to the streets again, or he'll feel a draw to learn about the criminal mind again, and we will see Bruce leave once again. So I don't think just because he's home now that it's completely over, but I think it's going to be on hiatus for a little bit. Kenny also might be, when he goes the next time, he might be going alone as well, based on some of the points Delford made. Yeah, and because I think he burned a little bit, he burned a bridge with Selena in this episode because he couldn't explain to her why he wasn't going with her, and it hurt her. It hurt her feelings. It really made her feel like he couldn't trust her anymore. And in reality, he was doing it to keep her safe rather than because he didn't trust her. Can I think Alfred? Alfred wants Bruce to stay home out of respect for Thomas Wayne, because I think he thinks that's what Thomas wanted. But I think once he finds out maybe what Thomas Wayne was doing, he'll be more inclined to let Bruce do this. 
Yeah, that's always a, a possibility that until Alfred realizes how important Thomas Wayne's work was or what he had discovered, he's going to think, you know, this is all just an exercise for Bruce to keep him and help him grieve his parents' loss. But I think once he realizes how important it is or how much that it needs to be dealt with, I think his tune's going to change and he's going to be more on board to actually do whatever Thomas was, was doing and, and, and what Bruce wants to do now. Yeah, and another argument that could be made to that. Because I feel like Alfred is almost in a different place when it comes to what he wants for Bruce as a teenager compared to when he becomes a man, good full-on Batman. Right. Because in the comics, Alfred's hope for Bruce because then he finds a woman to spend the rest of his life with. But at this point in time, I think he really wants Bruce to learn how to take care of himself. Because even if he gives up being Batman to set him down, he's still going to be in a lot of danger based on the Wayne family name alone. Yeah, he can't let anyone like solely lay into it until he knows how to handle the danger and what he is facing, which I think is one of his father's computer will reveal next week. However, even though this was the noble decision for Bruce to make, I think it may force Selena to amp up her game as a criminal to the point where she may threaten the lives of people just to get Bruce's attention. Nico, do you think this is where Selena's story is headed because she was hurt by Bruce? Can I write about where Alfred is standing right now regarding raising Bruce? Dan, I agree that she will probably amp up her criminal behavior, but I'm guessing it won't be to get Bruce's attention, but rather due to forced circumstances like the Penguin returning, Fish returning, a battle between Tabitha Butch and either Penguin or fish or maybe even both of them on two fronts and selena will get sucked into the gang war that will ensue and that will force her to do some things that she might otherwise not have done possibly even eventually killing tabitha and taking her whip like you suggested and the actress cameron bakotova said in an interview it was a trophy taken from tabitha so i kind of think that's what's going to force her hand rather than it being a way to kind of try and get bruce's attention i think I, i think she's upset with him but i don't think she's going to lash out and try and get him to pay attention to her by becoming an even bigger criminal. I think it's just a, a, a factor of the situation she's in. There has been stories where Catwoman gets really pissed at Batman and starts doing things to almost as like a weird like sexual cat and mouse game to get him to basically fight her because it turns around. Right, but that's when she's in love with Batman, not when yeah. she's currently in love with Bruce Wayne. And that's what's goofy on the show, because there's like like a line there right now. You know, they, there's, they haven't defined that girl I have an attraction towards Batman and I, Bruce. It's kind of the same person. Okay, what gets tricky with this show is, like, how is she not going to know that Batman is Bruce after she has all this information? In this world, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Because it just seems now, to, for her character, there's no lie between Bruce and Batman. And she's seen his true self. So that's where it gets tricky with this. It gets complicated. So I don't know where that's going to go. That's another thing. Then we'll just have to play it by ear. But I like that they're getting Selena's emotions right with how she's reacting to Selena. It's got her opinions and the whole clash between being in love with Bruce Wayne and Batman. But again, it's kind of the dilemmas this young Selena is facing because what Selena Kyle faced after finding out that Batman was Bruce Wayne after the uh, clutch story arc. So there's that. Right. Now, as a follow-up question, is Thomas Wade's computer going to reveal to Bruce that he was investigating the illegal experiments? Dr. Hugo Strange is currently performing at Garcom in Indian Hill. I think yes and no, Dan, in that it will reveal that Thomas Wayne was investigating the misuse of Wayne Enterprise's funds and business ventures that are not consistent with the Wayne Enterprise moral code. But it won't specifically show Hugo Strange's involvement because I'm not sure that he was involved when Thomas and Martha were killed. But maybe he he was just behind the scenes. So it, it could still be Hugo Strange in, in 
actually name him or, or show him and he was the one behind it all. My yeah. guess is that it will show that Wayne Emp- Enterprises has been involved in criminal activity and that they were selling weapons, involved in human experimentation, all that kind of stuff. And that will lead Bruce on his first crusade to rid Wayne Enterprises of its corruption. But I don't know if it'll specifically get into Hugo Strange territory. Well, maybe that's who they sold stuff to. True. Because that's the connection. So he's like, oh, Wayne Enterprises is selling stuff to these different people. He's trying to figure out what they're selling. Because then he stumbles upon Dr. Hugo Strange's stuff. Right. And I think Gordon's storyline will somehow tie into that as well. I think there's information on the computer that's going to help Gordon solve the murder of Bruce's parents. Or at least get close. I mean, again, I, I hold that mentality that should never get solved. But that's just me. Right. So, we'll see if that happens. Now, speaking of Dr. Hugo Strange, I think whatever he has in mind for Barbara causing chaos with her release is not going to happen. Craig probably will with Penguin. Because I think her fall from the bell tower made her sane. But she has a long way to go to prove it with Gordon. Who I think will may spend the next couple of weeks thinking she's stalking him. Or going to go psycho ex-girlfriend on him. But mentally, I just don't think that's where she is right now. And I don't think that's where the writers want her story to go right now. Don't you agree, Nico? I'm not sure if brain trauma can actually cure mental illness. We all know that there is a link between mental illness and brain injury following a traumatic brain injury, but I'm not sure that there has ever been a case of curing mental illness and especially not psychopathy following brain injury. But it kind of works, it is. <laughs> right. Of course, things like impulse control and personality are controlled by the frontal lobe. So if there was a change in her frontal lobe due to the injury, potentially we could see a change in her personality. And because it is a comic book, I will say that her psychopath personality could be masked by the trauma. I don't know if that really fits in real science, but in comic book science, like you said, Dan, it absolutely works. As for Gordon, he will definitely not trust her. And I think he may even attempt to arrest her for for coming to his house, but that will not fly either because she's declared sane now. But as we've discussed, we think that her new personality will probably be much more like the person he fell in love with, and he will probably possibly even fall for her again, in time at least. And, And that will lead to probably Barbara Gordon Batgirl being born, or she may even seduce him. We've talked about that. There's a lot of ways this could go down but I do think that for the time being she's going to either be able to control her psychopath side or it is being masked by the injury and the coma that she was in. Because it's kind of like they, they've done it in comic books. Like the most notable one would probably be the Green Goblin character right? where he got, he was electrocuted and then he forgot that Peter Parker was Spider-Man and he quit the Green Goblin and stuff like that. Right. So I think that's what they're doing here. I think that's where they're going to go just because this show does like to play up the camp and the ridiculous of the comic book sometimes. Because that would be the way to do it. They also did a story like this. Get the Batman comic books itself with Catwoman. She got kidnapped by somebody. Could someone whacked her over the head or something. Yeah, they made her like really psycho evil for a while. Right. Because they didn't want her and Batman involved. So they, they like, the editor made a decision that he, he wanted her to be a straight up enemy. He didn't want getting romance between them. And then, again, that ultimately changed years later. But that was something they did in that regard as well. So it is a part of the universe that this has happened. And I think her psychopathic tendencies could be probably what makes her leave in the future where... You know, Bruce uh, Gordon left as a single person. Right. Yeah, so that's going to happen. So finally, for what's next, I think Dr. Hugo Strange is going to recognize the Riddler's intelligence and ask him to join his cause instead of curing his insanity. But I think Edwards, Hugo is going to make him twist Strange's evil plans around in a way to suit his own needs. Could take revenge at Gordon to City. Hugo, is this where you think the Riddler's story is headed? Yeah, exactly, Dan. That's what I was thinking, that they will use Riddler for their Indian Hill initiative, just like they were using Victor Freeze. And I think there's a pretty good chance that because Nigma is... So 
so brilliant and and so smart he's going to be able to see around what hugo strange is trying to do and it's going to almost be a battle of wills and intelligence between hugo strange and edward nigma and i think it's going to be fun to see that and i think we could get some really good stuff if they paired off and tried to outdo each other and have a battle of intelligence okay yeah i think that's where it's going to go too good I, I, I wouldn't trust freeze or uh riddler to go along with Oh, he goes strange completely. Right, exactly. Got me back for on him. All right, so let's uh, go on to an episode of Supergirl, where the villains also kind of delivered their wrath on National City with some wide control. So let's talk about the Supergirl episode, Myriad. Kara must devise a way to free her friends when Nan and Indigo employ mind control to turn all of National City citizens into their own army. Yes. Okay, with the introduction of Maxima, who's a big Superman villain in this episode, I thought she was going to be the primary villain of this episode to give Supergirl trouble while she tried to break National City free of mind control. But she just kind of went off with the Kryptonians and that was it, because I think that's what happened with her. So I'm thinking we haven't seen the last of her because in the comic books, she actually becomes a hero who joins Maxima Lord's Justice League. So I'm wondering if something like this could happen called the show. What do you think about this, Nico? Were you kind of impressed they did a good job of quickly telling us about Maximus backstory? Could just one brief scene? You know, I was. I thought they did an excellent job of actually showing her and kind of having her explain to Kara as she was fighting her that she tried to enslave, or not really enslave, but ensnare Superman to be his mate and give her children to rule her world. I, the way I viewed the battle between Supergirl and Maxima was that Kara defeated Maxima and knocked her out, and then possibly put her in a cell off screen after having stopped the release of all the other villains from the DEO cells. Now having said that, it would be interesting if rather than using Maxwell Lord's bomb, they offered conditional releases to any of the powered people in the DEO cells that are willing to work against the evil Kryptonians. In that case, I think Maxima might be a good ally and could eventually join the semi-justice league we've been talking about the last couple weeks as a possible way that this story could go. I think that would be really cool. Because I think they could build a league with Red Tornado you know, if they decide to rebuild him, Dad, John Jones, and Maximum and Supergirl. Yep. Could be, it'd kind of be the third stringer team of the Justice League, but it could work. Right, exactly. So that would, that would be interesting. Maximum is an interesting character. I think she'd be a good fit to all this show. So if we see more of her, again, I would even consider that conditional releases thing is still on the table. That could happen next week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Think another Kryptonians. Yeah, or definitely. Or not, so I think you're onto something there. I think that's going to happen eventually. Yeah, well, next week is the finale, so if it's going to happen... Oh, it is? Yeah, it's going to be Aww, next week. It's too soon. <laughs> it is, but they got a 20-episode pickup when they got their full season, so the next week is going to be the finale. Well, they got a second season, so that's, more. So that's good. I don't think they have, actually. I, I saw a news report that they got one. Really? Yes. As of yesterday, I, I, I had not seen Supergirl. Maybe it was false, I don't know. It's on Facebook. It's a bit complicated story right now, actually. If it is or it isn't. I don't know. I'm still I'm looking, and I haven't seen anything. Yeah, as of a day ago, it hadn't been renewed for season two yet, though it is expected to be. Okay, good. So fingers crossed on that, but I think we're good. Yeah. Because if this episode was any indication, it should be back next year. Because this was this is a good episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God, this was the... Because a good episode, but this is the episode where basically everything went to hell for Supergirl. God, what I think really backed her into a corner was Superman showing up to save the day, and succumbing to the same eye control because everyone else in the city. Nico, is this a good use of Superman to raise the stakes on the danger for Supergirl? Can, can we potentially see Superman versus Supergirl, Dawn of Justice, before all this is over with? Of course, that's just way wishful thinking. 
I think they could have gone that route, but in the end of the episode, they showed us that they were going to go the Alex in a kryptonite suit versus Supergirl rather than Superman versus Supergirl, which I think in this show is a better fight and better for the story. I've said that I did not want to actually see Superman on this series because that takes away from Supergirl as the hero of this show. Now, if it were a team up or Kara versus Superman, as you suggested, I guess that would be better. But I still think Kara needs to be the hero of this show and not rely on Superman to bail her out. So I don't think even if they went Superman versus Supergirl and then did a team up that I don't think that's the right way to go with this story, at least not right now in the story. I think Kara still needs to be the major hero and able to do it on her own. And I think going to the Superman well is a one time deal where they actually team up if they go that route. So I think that needs to be further down the story when we get to a point where they bring in somebody or something that is so big that it takes the whole Justice League and maybe even uh, Superman, Supergirl team up. What I think I think well, the only thing you can do is have Kara save Superman. The Keeper still is the hero of the story. Yeah, and I think that that might be the way that it goes. That she goes in and they, they stop Myriad and in the process, eventually Superman regains his powers or regains right. his, his abilities and, and then he essentially is like, you saved me, you're the real hero now or something, you know, where he yeah. gives her support and tells her, you know, you don't you don't need me to be watching over you because you can handle this yourself or something like that. Because I think that would be a fun way to kind of end the finale. You know, either like a uh, reference, or a flash of Superman or something like that. Like, you know, ooh, it's, he may pop up next year. Right. You know, or not. Again, there's rumors. Tom Welling is going to show up. Got Superman on the show. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. I think people get kind of excited if, you know, that's something in the finale. Where she's like, hey, thank you, and it's a, you know, quick cameo from him. And that's it. Well, I think that would be fun, for sure. And there is talk that if there is a season two, that John Schneider might come as a villain to play something interesting on, you know, kind of flip the script on that and see him as the villain of season two or part of the, one of the villains of season two and i think that would be fun as well yeah i think that would be a blast yeah he has said that he is interested and is always open for being involved in anything superman yeah, that, that, that'd be cool okay it'd be fun if he was like some kind of like nemesis character to cat grant somehow yeah, a nemesis that isn't also in love with her, like Maxwell right. Lord is. <laughs> right, exactly. Where it's like he is, he's the anti Cat Grant. Yeah, I could see that. Like he, he's a media mogul that's got to punish the world, where Cat Grant is wanting to improve it. Something like that. Cause I thought the choice to keep Cat Grant and Maxwell Lord, because the characters with Supergirl, because she dealt with the mind control, was a smart move. And they kind of acted as like the devil and angel got Supergirl's shoulder. Because this episode really needed a tough love from Cat, because I think that's the only way we would have bought Kara being able to hold her ground, could work past the lost of the red shirt fellow employee she was unable to save. Also, the scene where Cat explained how Supergirl changed her for the better was a good one. Because I can't wait to see how she saves the day with her old TV station next week. Nico, were you glad with the choice of keeping these characters kind of affected by the mind control? So Dan, I loved the idea of Maxwell Lord and Cat Grant being the only two humans not affected by Myriad's mind control. And you are right that it did seem like they were sort of the angel and devil on Supergirl's shoulders trying to convince her how to handle Non. It makes sense that ultimately Cat won out because of how much Kara respects and cares what Cat thinks. But as for how Cat is going to save the day with her old TV station, what I got out of it was that she's going to broadcast directly 
right into everyone's brain by piggybacking on the myriad signal coming from the satellites. They're going to beam their image up into the satellites and it's going to piggyback on that uh, right. signal that's being shot right into everybody's brain and controlling them. And they're going to, the sig- the image they're going to use is the House of L's crest, also known as Superman and Supergirl's symbol. They said that they wouldn't be able to talk to the people or try to try and break the myriad effects, but they could use a symbol of hope and they believe that the Supergirl symbol will be enough to break everyone out of the mind control. And since it is National City and they all love Supergirl now again, I think they're right. I think that that's going to be it. And I think it's going to be Cat Grant saving the day while Supergirl kind of mops up everything else or, or fights everything else to give them the opportunity to actually do it. And I think that, you know, the team up between Maxwell Lord and and Cat Grant is going to be some fun stuff next week. Good, I like the idea that they save National City. Yeah. They help Supergirl out. I think that's that's a real great way to go with them and just how great of a character Cat's been all season. I think that's the right way to go for her to be the big hero at the end of the season. Sure. Because really, I mean, you have to say, Clint Flockhart's been the hero of the show. She held us afloat while we got everything else worked out to make it so great. So I think that's smart. I think that the symbol idea gets smart. It's almost like you can't get through to people, you know, through talking to them, but visually you can get through to them. That's interesting. Because it almost seems like that the whole thing with Myriad is sort of a computer program. Like it's like code that basically Indigo is running through computers or whatnot to make them kind of follow Don's commands. Because maybe that that symbol will break up that code or whatever. So people can kind of think on their own and they're not being hypnotized by what they're watching. Because that kind of goes with the idea of Kyle uh, Witt's computer screen was covered with weird like cryptonian coding. Right. So I'm thinking it's something to do with like computers and technology and guy phones and whatnot. That that's where the problem's coming. Kind of like that one uh, Doctor Who episode. Do you remember that? Which one? The one where people are getting sucked into the, their technology. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their souls are getting replaced or whatever. That's, that, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think I think once Cat Grant and Maxwell Lord are able to beam that image into the people's heads, it's just going to override everything else. And Nan's voice will be blocked out by their hope right. and their, their love of Supergirl. And their, their feeling that Supergirl is going to be able to save them. And then I think it's going to, to work out in the end that, that they're going to be able to break the bonds themselves themselves because once they have that hope and that that symbol is strong enough to to override whatever mind control is going on it'll also keep them from being able to retake control of the people as well so i think for sure it breaks superman free yeah yeah gets it seriously so let's see where that goes too can we i know i just called maxwell lord the devil on kara's shoulder this episode because it started out that way with max just wanting to wipe out the entire city to stop the kryptonians but as we discover deep down he truly is a person who wants to do the right thing but what happened to his parents makes him play Cynical's Devil's Advocate. But I think his opening up to Supergirl gets you the challenge to Kyle to make him more optimistic. Kiko, do you think this episode came through by giving us a great start to the Maxwell Lord Redemption story that we believe can be really good? Yeah, especially if this Cat Grant plan actually works, it will show him that hope can win the day, and I think he will start to believe in Kara and Supergirl and will become the ally that we have been hypothesizing a number of times in our theories. I actually really want to see that because I like Peter as an actor and want to see him stick around Supergirl for next season, well, if there is a next season as CBS hasn't renewed it as we were talking about a moment ago. Also, on a quick note with that, I wonder if CBS, if they pass on a second season, if we could see it move as a whole production to the CW and just have a deal where they have to pay a licensing fee back to CBS. I mean, technically CBS owns a big stake in the CW, so it should be possible, but these things never really work out because the one network wants too much of a cut and the other network can't afford it if they're giving half their money back to the original network. So I I don't know. I mean, I I really just hope CBS picks it up, but it doesn't really fit on CBS, really, if you look at it. The the rest of the network doesn't really fit with Supergirl. I love love the Supergirl show, and it really is one of my favorite shows of the week. It just 
just it, it, it's sort of like Constantine on NBC. It it just didn't yeah. fit. So I'm wondering if there might be a way to to move it, or or if that is what they're one of the reasons why it hasn't already been renewed for next season. Well, when I take CW, I mean when I take CBS, should invest in because another superhero like show or something that fits that kind of design. Does that make sense? Well, we already know that Person of Interest is leaving C- right. CBS, so which is I'm saying could that leaving that leaves the door open for them to do something else, bring something else in. Because I don't know if it could be a DC property, but don't you think they could attempt a sci-fi program or something like that to go along with this? Well, I would hope so. That, that's what I would do, if they're going to keep it. Because really, the ratings have been good for what we thought the show was going to do. Especially it'd be in any weird place, like CBS. Because they're going to sell it every week, aren't they? Well, I mean, it's, the show's done way better than projected, I thought. Well, so yes and no. I mean, it's it's done about, it's done well for a CW show, but this isn't the CW, it's, right, CBS. it's CBS. So in that sense, it's been doing poorly compared to other shows on the network. It, it's not quite holding its own in that sense. Right. Well, to be honest with you, I think they'd show, because in way better shape than DC Legends, and I think this would be a more suitable third show for CW to pick up over that. Okay. I'd rather see more of this than that show. Yeah, I, I definitely would too. I'm just, I, I don't think the CW is going to have a chance. I was just kind of right. hopefully saying yeah. I would love to see it move over to CW, and even if that means they have to pay a little bit of money back to the CBS, I, I still think it would be a good move for the show and the production as a whole. Yeah, cool, I agree. I most definitely agree with you on that. God, I was really glad to see that Alex and John returned to this episode, because I sorely missed them last week. God, it was cool how they were able to stay on the run by Martian Manhunter, disguising himself as Alex's son. In addition, I enjoyed the quick bond that was formed between John and Alex's mother, played by Helen Slater. It was fun to see her recapture the sense of wonder, her version of Supergirl had, with the excitement she had Mrs. Danvers convey towards John's alien physiology. God, it was nice to see someone else react to with amazement. Did you enjoy the meeting between John and Mrs. Danvers this week? Can you think the writers might go the love interest route if Dr. Danvers is not still alive? Dan, I really enjoyed the role reversal with Alex acting as John's mom in disguise while they were on the run, and how fascinated Dr. Danvers was with John and wanted to know everything about him scientifically. It was fun, like you mentioned, to see someone be fascinated and excited by his being an alien and not afraid of him for being different. I think she is fascinated with John Jones, but I don't think it will blossom into a romance. Sure, John sees and protects Alex and Kara as if they're his own children, but that is out of his duty and friendship with Jeremiah, so I don't think they will go love interest with Dr. Danvers' wife, the other Dr. Danvers. I just don't see it going that route. But I could see them kind of conversing at the, the girls' parents at times. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I could see that definitely be a, being a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's kind of like, oh no, they're in this mess. What do we do about her? How do we handle it? Can I also hope that John survived? encounter with Indigo in this episode. The reason why he lost that fight was fire, because he didn't know that. Right. The big explosion. So I hope that there's... He gets a big hero moment next week with whatever goes down. Because they also may need his powers to boost the signal of the Superman logo. Yeah, it's a good call, dude. As a possibility. I, I hope he gets a good part of day again. Because Ark has been kind of being shaky about his powers. I think his powers hurt people. Maybe he could see the good that his powers could do with that type of situation happening. Right, exactly. Just a wishful thought. Because I finally had to go because just one twisted computer check with the way she used Alex to defeat Supergirl. Because I kind of don't like the idea for the Alex character, because we really praised the show, Good Kyler, for making Alex a 
nice Supergirl in her own right. So not using her as his puppet is a little insulting to such a great female character. So I'm hoping that Alex, because the one who is strong enough to break Fury, got the mind control, could stand up Carl or John, stamping her out of it. Just out of paying respect to the instrumental role she plays on the series. Pico is a big Alex fan. Did this twisted Supergirl Kevin not battle her sister? Not sit right with you either? You know, it makes a lot of sense to force this confrontation because it is the one person in the world Kara is least likely to fight and the most likely to lay down her own life to save. So because of that, I understand the reason for going this route. But like you said, Dan, I love the Alex character and will be disappointed if she's not able to fight against the mind control and eventually overcome the influence or fight it enough to allow Supergirl to get away and save the day while Alex essentially shuts herself down by fighting the influence of the myriad on her body. I think Alex is too strong of a character to either force Supergirl to kill her to save everyone else or to not be able to fight the mind control somehow out of just pure preference i'm hoping it goes that route rather than having them having an all-out brawl until essentially supergirl knocks her out and she'll be safely unconscious and outside the effects of the mind control that just doesn't work for this great character i mean it works for the story that she knocks alex unconscious and then goes and saves the day but for the great character of alex it doesn't really work I agree with that. Because, again, again, I think it goes against the start of the show. Right. They, again, they've, they've kind of made comic book tropes more interesting. Because a comic book trope is putting a character under my control. Could I be the other character knocked them out? Right. Could put them all the way and it's not resolved. Because this show never makes anything that simple. Because they know how to pay respect to the characters. So I think our idea is the way it's going to go. At least I hope it goes that way. Because if it doesn't, I don't think it's a smart move. Right. Kind of show color, but just something I would, I'm not going to like. Yeah, it's pure preference for me because I like the character so much. Yeah, it, but I think a lot of fans do as well. So with that, we're going to dive into the other new kid on the block for Berlanti of DC Productions called Legends of Tomorrow with a fun episode that went back to the Wild West but still showed us that there's a few kicks that still need to get worked out on this show. So let's talk about the episode titled The Magnificent Eight. <laughs> When the team needs a place to hide out, Rip sets a course for the Old West. Upon arrival, they start a fight with a gang of outlaws that puts a small town in jeopardy. Luckily, Rip's old friend Jonah Hex steps in to save them. Well, I just have to run the show that still has some kicks to work on. But I like this episode a lot better than last week, because I felt like it got somewhere with intensifying the time matches. Guys, a second enemy to face. So the Vandal Savage story doesn't become tired. Again, I also felt the episode gave some good backstory to why Rip Hunter got enough of the time masters when they wouldn't go after Savage. Because this is one that they're only getting in a wrongdoing since they let that city could be all the West basically get ransacked and destroyed by a bunch of criminals. So, Nico, do you think this episode gave us the much-needed progression to the overarching story, like we were talking about last week? Dan, was this a smart move to give us a break from Savage for a little while? Well, it was a damn good start, at least, Dan. This episode unfortunately introduced and eliminated the Hunters, all of them, in a single episode. Luckily, before they died, they told us that the Time Masters had unleashed an even deadlier foe that was going to hunt down the team and kill them earlier in their own timelines, so that they never, ever, they never even joined the team. Unfortunately for this to really work, I think the Omega Protocol lady or whatever her name was will need to kill Mick like we saw her getting ready to do in the timeline at the end of the episode and have him almost fade Marty McFly style from right in front of the team and then they'll be in the vanishing point or something so they'll see it actually happen and understand what's going on and then they'll either have to try and stop her by going back in Mick's timeline to find her and stop her in or go and stop her in someone else's timeline. But my question is, can they really kill Mick off twice? I mean, they already kind of killed him off and then brought him back. Can they do it a second time? Or do they, if he dies, does it have to stick? Well, the issue is here, they are bringing Prison Break back. Right, I understand. Because we know he's on, so. I'm like, I'm scared that Wentworth Miller and Donald Purcell is going to be off at the end of the season to make room for that. And I think that would hurt this show. 
get their leave. So they're bracing myself for it because I think whatever they do is going to be a great story, but it's going to hurt to show up their leave. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, well, Wentworth Miller for sure is the, one of the best parts of this series. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think the two of them together is really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. They're quality actors, so I would keep them around if we have to keep them around. So I, I don't know what they're thinking. With that, again, it may work out. Their prison breaks a half a season thing. Because this is a half a season thing. So they can do both shows. Right, exactly. So there's that too. And I think Prison Break is produced for Warner Brothers Television. So I think they can make that work out. Okay. Now, moving forward, it was fun to have Jonah Hex in this episode. But I would have liked to see more about the bond formed between Rip and Jonah. Expanding more upon why he ultimately named his son after the old Western superhero. Okay, maybe they could have done flashbacks to the last time Rip was given the Wild West to give us that content instead of wasting time with a clock girl that's a poor imitation cover comic book self. Kaneko, would you have liked to see more explaining the brother in arms relationship Rip formed with Jonah through flashbacks to one night and maybe they could have even done that to an origin story for Jonah Hex? Oh, absolutely, Dan. This was a pretty good episode but if they had wanted to make it great it would have involved showing us the flashbacks to Rip and Jonah Hex ripping it up in the even older West and seeing those scenes rather than Kendra and Sarah going off on a spirit quest to find an older version of Kendra who told her not to fall in love with Palmer. I mean, really, who gives a rat's ass? Not me, not anyone I've talked about with this series. Focus on the characters that work until we get to a point where they can actually fix this Kendra character. I guess that was kind of what they were trying to do with this meeting of past version of herself. But why go all old school CW with it and put the whole you can't be together because you're only destined to be with Carter BS on this episode which I guess is kind of your next point Dan so I won't go into it anymore I'll let you kind of address that and then we'll talk about it a little bit more okay now they do it very well on that show good and they have actually the show the show's format has changed up because they actually killed the character but this isn't the Vampire Diaries folks so don't do this lovey dovey stuff Vampire Diaries does that really well but for a Greg Berlanti superhero show leave the CW drama alone because all I'm going to say for this show and Arrow kind of my dad but talking more about Hawkgirl I really just said wasn't invested in this CW romance drama and I don't think a lot of people is right now and this whole thing with Kendra running to into an older version of herself in the past it just it didn't do it for me but it did at least give me some more ideas on how they could fix the character to the idea of doing something with time travel or replacing her with a version of Kendra from a different time period where the life she had growing up was much harder because she had to become a seasoned warrior because I like the concept of the older version of a character having a chip on her shoulder because it just felt more like the clock girl that I know from comics and animation. It's also possible that the theory they gave about Hawkgirl being a completely different person could certain time periods could still on the table because the Hawkman the older Kendra talked about kind of named different than Carter Hall. So I'm wondering if his appearance could be different as well. Because what do you think about Hawkgirl meeting an older version of herself? Could you think it's set up any possibilities of how to fix the character? The romance stuff was, as I said, complete and utter BS. The ideas that stem from it that we talked about last week and seem to be supported by this appearance of the older and grislier version of, of Hawkgirl was much better in the sense that it could make the Hawkgirl character better in the future. I like your idea of a version of Kendra that had a much harder and warrior upbringing that is more consistent with the Hawkgirl from the animated series and the comics. This way we could get a combination of both Hawkgirls we love from those comics and the Justice League animated series in a better version of this Hawkgirl. The possibilities are there, even if they have to go the nuclear option we discussed last week and replace the actress. They always need to kind of go Gotham with Hawkgirl in the sense that they need to combine the different variations of Hawkgirl into one character, which is what I think they did, for example, with the Penguin, God Gotham. Right, exactly. They kind of fused the comic book version, the kind of cheesy Baron Burgess Baron version and the Batman Returns version, called one character. Get told stories that represent and relate to each version of that character. That's what we need with Hawkgirl. I just think it's an easy fix, and they're, they're coming up with stupid ways to fix it. 
So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the same person that's coming up with the Felicity nonsense. Got arrow, but I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope not, right? Yeah, I know. Whoever that is, don't know what they're thinking. Must be a, a writer that the CW put on staff that they didn't want it. I don't know. But one thing they did do right, the Hawkgirl character, because for the most part, separate her from Ray this week. Because he makes the perfect reluctant sheriff. Because I'm glad they played that up. Because this episode for us to see how Rip had become controlled by the old rest through Ray's strong desire to play John Wayne. Because I think this is, it was significant to Rip, ultimately making the right decision. Got the end of this episode regarding saving the day. Got a good old-fashioned shootout. Because did you agree that Ray playing the reluctant sheriff did get a lot of good for this episode when it came to Rip's conflict for the week of just having some fun in the old west? I loved Brandon Routh's enthusiasm in playing Ray this week and his desire to be the honorable sheriff. I thought Ray stepping up when Rip refused to help was a great opportunity for both Ray and Rip's characters to grow and the audience to learn things about each character. The fact that ultimately Rip could not remain on the sidelines while his team did what they believed to be the right thing was very telling to what type of man Rip really is. Despite not wanting to admit that he will do the right thing in the end, that's exactly what he did. I had a lot of fun with this episode and I think most of that came from Ray being the sheriff and his interactions with Jonah Hex and the gang members in this episode. It was also fairly funny when Ray went into the sheriff's office to lend a helping hand and ended up becoming the new sheriff. That was fun. <laughs> Come on, he was a fun part of this episode. Yeah, for sure. He, he's having a good time being on this show because they need to give him stuff to have a good time with because that's where his character works. Because I, I don't know if he's having a good time with the and stuff. I mean, I think they're trying to do, okay, this is a movie accomplished actor who's done a lot of good work. Let's put him with the bad actress because maybe he can make her better. It ain't working, folks. It is it. And that's not his fault. It's not Brandon's fault at all. I don't blame him at all. But they need to figure this out because it's a problem. But talking about other characters we do like. I think my favorite story for this episode was with Professor Stein carrying the kid of tuberculosis because I thought we were going to get a kind of back to the future part three Clara and Doc Brown romance between Stein and the barmaid but I'm glad the story deviated did the in this direction because especially when it came with the great payoff of Stein being right about saving the boy because he ultimately became H.G. Wells. Well it makes sense how H.G. if he was in this story came up with such great sci-fi stories later in life if he encountered such an instance such as this in his early life it would have a had a huge impact. While HG in real life was bedridden as a child, it was from a broken leg, not tuberculosis. Though that is where he his love of reading and immersing himself in other worlds started as he passed the time reading any book his father could get his hands on at a local library. The only other problem? HG grew up in Kent, which is in Britain, not the Wild West. Now, it was a fun little comment on affecting the past, but they could have been better served with a historical figure from the Old West rather than trying to bring in HG Wells. I think they saw sci-fi futuristic stuff and thought oh who's a person of this time oh hg wells let's use him but he was british and this was the wild west of america <laughs> this, this was the hgls from a parallel earth right all right right that, we're going with that it's earth kind of what earth they call this earth Berlanti, hg wells right exactly yeah that's that's what he was i think so it was I, a, a fun little comment but it, it just doesn't fit i think it was executed better in the jackie chan movie shanghai nights with sir arthur conan doyle right got charlie chaplin right than this. But it was fun. It was fun to think of. Kind of like the payoff of Stein wanting to be a hero and doing something good, paying off and working. Because last week we saw the opposite effect. So I was glad that they balanced that out. Guys, speaking of time traveling, I was glad they stuck to the rules of the Gold West so we could have fun. Because seeing our favorite heroes get in a barber brawl, could have a high dude showdown. But it also made me happy that after all the fun was over, they whipped out the laser guns and superpowers when the hunter showed up. Because did you like how the episode did this with giving us everything we love about Western serials? Kind of just unleashing the superpowers? 
platforms. Yeah, Dan, it was it was the best of both worlds. They attempted to fit in and use the technology of the times against the local bad guys, but when the future bad guys started shooting at them, they whipped out the superpowers and laser guns. It, you know, it was just too bad Heatwave and Captain Cold didn't have their guns as well. Yeah, we're just straight out the city. Right, exactly. I mean, it's all wood. Right, the whole place would have just gone up. Yeah, so, Kitty was like, oh, the set could go up too. Guess I'd do that. But yeah, I agree, that would have been fun. Good, I'm glad we got a little bit of a Captain Cold shootout. Get the, the saloon with their playing cards. Not completely what I wanted, but it made sense while Rick was the guy that did it. Good, I had to go out there and do that. Good, this statement I'm going to say next, kind of bookends our discussion. Good, the sense that Sarah's card-to-heart conversation with Heatway. Got the saloon is going to have a big part to play next week's episode. Where the Time Masters sent an assassin to kill the Legends past selves. Since Mick was the first person we saw her going after. Good, regarding Heatway's emotions, along with Captain Cold, got really liking the way they're going about Sarah being able to get through to these guys can appeal to their criminal nature. I think Katie Lutz does a great job with these scenes. Kind of really digging out Dominic Purcell just played Heatwave, where he's coming across as a much older and wiser version of his character than he appeared. Because it sounded like he could have been got the vanishing point for centuries. Nico, do you think the best stuff we have gotten from Sarah on the show? Because when her interactions with the rogues that do you like, got Dominic Purcell just played his character with so much more depth because he could now be centuries old. Yeah, I agree, Dan. Since they've brought Heatwave back in the last couple episodes, he has been mu- a much better character. We still get glimpses of the old Heatwave when he gets into a fight, but he seems, as you said, an older and wiser version of himself. And I actually like seeing a little bit of the old Mick come out every once in a while. Yeah. The way Sarah is able to understand him and Captain Cold has been great, and as you suggested, Dan, because I think it taps into her understanding of men like them from her time with the League, but also shows her healing herself by making connections with them on a personal level and keeping her human side healing, even if her way of connecting with Mick was going to be a drinking contest. It just shows how great these actors and characters fit together that they can go from loose allies to a pretty solid team to kicking Mick off the team and thinking Cold actually killed him back again to a team all in a single season and for the most part it makes perfect sense within the story. I think they have found some team ups that work with these characters like Sarah and the Rogues, Sarah and Rip, Martin and Jax of course but also Martin and Ray. Ray and Kendra sometimes but not always and Ray and Mick was a pretty good team up in Russia way back when. If they can keep those pairings going strong, this series will be fun to watch, minus the relationship BS, of course, that we already talked about. Well, let's get out the, the Black Canary character, which I associate now with Sarah since she's the only one possibly in this universe, at least in my opinion, depending on who that next Black Canary is who, I mean, they function as kind of like the mother of these superhero teams. Now, Sarah is kind of a much more, should we say, tougher and devious mother than like the Black Canary in the comics or Laurel Lance would be, but it's uh, fun to see that they're they're kind of doing that, but kind of doing it in their own Sarah, getting the best performance kind of Katie Lutz kind of way. Yeah, she's definitely got a harder edge than maybe we're used to with the Black Canary, but I think it fits with her. I think it works works with her in this on this team anyway. She's more like the, the older sister of the group rather than the mother of the group right because she's got that little bit of streak of gear responsibility or testing the waters get her she doesn't have the she doesn't feel the responsibility so much because like a mother would yeah as for next week with the team having to save their past selves i'm hoping it's going to be a combination of origin stories that push the present day story forward as our favorite characters watch their past as the spectator because i'm wondering if one of them will be presented with a way to change their present day life with ray being given the chance to save his fiance jack's being able to avoid blowing on his knee could maybe sarah could even get 
presented with the opportunity to prevent her death in Arrow Season 3, or prevent the recent death of her sister. Nico, are these things you would like to see next week? Dan, I think some characters may be presented with opportunities to change their past, but I ultimately will fail to change anything so that the timeline that led them to the team and ultimately went back in time to save themselves remains intact. About the only thing that I can, I think that they will be able to stop is their own execution in the timeline. But mainly that's because it was not the way the timeline was meant to go, so the fixed timeline or the inflexibility of time that Rip mentions from time to time is actually working in their own favor in this regard. But since Sarah's sister's death was after she left on her mission on the team, that could be something that could be able to be fixed, but only if the team ends up in 2016 Star City for some reason. And since the assassin is going further back in their timelines, it seems unlikely that this would be a reason for her to go back to that time. And we know that she is eventually going to meet up with her father, but that's in a later episode, so maybe that'll be the reason why she ends up going back to 2016 Star City. Because that's what I was thinking of when I knew that episode. Quite colleagues, I wasn't sure if that's how they were going to tie things to it and figure all that out or possibly just realize, oops, we made a mistake. We should bring this character back. But that's what's full thank you. God, I'm a little angry about that, as you can tell. Yeah. Still, yeah. so that should be a fun review when we get back into an arrow. That's going to be a blast. Especially if your worst nightmare scenario happens, Nico. But for next week, I really agree with you. I don't think the they may get presented with the chance to change it, but it's not going to work just because of timeline rules and things like that. Right, right. So, there we go. So, with that, we're going to dive into the closing, which there is... I think we're going to be back to a full schedule for the last time, at least this season. So, because we're going to have some finales next week. So, let's see closely what our schedule is going to be like. Almost a full schedule. Okay. Next week, DC Nation returns with the next episode of Gotham, the season finale of Supergirl, an episode of Flash, and DC Legends of Tomorrow. But Arrow will be off next week, so make sure to rejoin us next week for Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, and DC Legends. But for now, we're going to roll that pre-recorded closing. Good night, Eric. Across the Airways Podcast Network website, acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own individual programs, get the iTunes Store, get Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut our network. We have the DC Nation Podcast, located at dcnation.acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's dcnation.acrosstheairways.com, which reviews popular DC Comics-related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse Podcast, located at marvelversepodcast.com. .acrosstheirways.com Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheirways.com which reviews Marvel comics related TV shows and movies. And we also have Thronescast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheirways.com Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheirways.com In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheirways.com which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, and the mixed radio station, Coded by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app. And if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace, and the Windows Marketplace, and a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback on the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at acrosstheairways.gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, got across their waves. There's no thought in there, it's just across their waves. Join our circle, got Google Plus, or leave us a voicemail by calling 773 809 3363. Again, it's 773 809 3363. Also, with sending us an email, please 
Ratchet Rich Podcast Show. Cure directly the message to. Give the subject line. Give you our standing us Christopher feedback you want us to read. God the air. Come and also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, get television events. Go along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. Alright, so once again, for other KTA podcast hosts, Dickie Amy, Woo Ken, Joshua Mercury, Steve Nostro, Ken Michael J. Penny, I'm Dan Schmidt, and I'm Nico Rexnick. Get until our next episode. We will catch you on the airways. See you, everybody. Have a great week, and thanks for joining us for this rooted time to the Old West. See ya. Rumors spreading round in that Texas town. About to check outside the game. You know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you're gonna go to that whole mile on the range. They got a lot of nice girls. Now return to our regularly scheduled program.